Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. There are certain dates that everyone seems to remember. And now we ask, where were you on October 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2021? If you're a fan of a certain New England football team, then you are probably nervous drinking, eating way too much food, and chewing your nails down to the quick. Once again, we have very few rules in life, but when the greatest head coach of our time versus the undisputed greatest quarterback of all time meet on his rain-swept field some 30 minutes away from Boston for the most anticipated regular season NFL game that either of us can remember, well... That's just a good excuse for us to dig out an old gimmick that we happen to like for one more spin around the interwebs as we talk Pats versus Bucks in this episode 77, Brady Geddon, part four, Return of the Goat. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who, after a diet of nothing but meat for the past year and a half, could stop a streaking locomotive with the sheer force of his flatulence. He is the Doc Gallows to my Carl Anderson. We might not be in the top 10 podcast, but we are 1,411 with a bullet. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? You know, I'm doing pretty well given the circumstances. How are you, sir? Good and not flatulent right now. <laughs> I want I want to make sure that I emphasize to our listeners right now. <laughs> that just means he's eaten oh. under five pounds of sausage in the past five hours. That's all that means. <laughs> I did have sausage tonight, but yes. of course you did. <laughs> you did you eat nothing but meat do you even have do vegetables even exist in your diet anymore oh, absolutely there there are plenty of vegetables i can have on my diet okay broccoli well, tonight. I, oh well though there's the flatulence sausage and broccoli <laughs> you're gonna be stenching yourself out of your basement by the end of this show i'm you're gonna be, uh, you're gonna we be got talking good ventilation it. down here good ventilation and airflow you're gonna be talking through a gas mask and your radon detector is gonna be going crazy it's gonna be awesome Tim, what's that sound in the background? Beep, 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 beep. Nothing, oh. nothing. Nothing. Hang on. Can we wrap this up? I, I can't really breathe oh. too well down here. <laughs> the fire department's come by three times already. And I think I think I'm being deposed as the as the president of the townhome association. <laughs> oh, good lord. My neighbors have filed complaints. I think I violated a rule. Their wallpaper is peeling from the other side. <laughs> Sweet Moses. That's how it's oh. penetrating the fire break in between the homes. <laughs> they keep oh on telling gosh. me I need to eat less sausage, but I can't give it up. How many more All jokes right. do you have on this? I don't know. I don't know. We're just talking about someone else's gas. Usually it's mine, so I'm just happy. But before we do dive oh. too much more into, well, more flatulence, apparently, because, <laughs> you know, everybody loves a good fart joke. I mean, oh come on. If, you, if That's the thing, though. If you don't enjoy fart jokes, are you really living? Oh. I mean, I ask you. I ask you. I but uh, before we uh, get too far into this uh, shindig, 
Can you name the tag team? Uh, I can I can name them with what their name now. I'm actually struggling to remember what they were called when they came to WWE, but I believe right now they're going by the Good Brothers. That is the name that I have, so I will give it to you. Thank you very much. Well, as usual, your wrestling knowledge knows no bounds, and I once again will take the loss gracefully, albeit gritting my teeth. I will say they are formerly of the Bullet Club, which we had talked about a couple weeks ago. So, Well, and that was the reference to the with a bullet, which was pretty much just teeing it up for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. I was counting on you being so flatulent that you wouldn't even be able to see the screen. Oh, Lord. <laughs> just the tears streaming down your face. <laughs> There's a fog. <laughs> Luckily, I have, I have goggles and a snorkel. Oh, sweet Moses. <laughs> I keep I keep ex- sort of uh, uh, like yeah like what what sort of outfit you're wearing right now to 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 manage that you know I'm I'm starting to wonder how how long it'll be with your with your meat consumption before your wife just permanently just boots you out to the garage and and you won't even have to worry about the warmth because with all that gas there it'll just be nice and toasty I I'll mean real self, smelly self warm yeah <laughs> self perpetuating warmth that's what I shall be stink furnace I believe <laughs> the, the term for that. That's all right. We can open the garage door every now and then and let it ventilate out. Well, on that gassy and classy note, uh, let's get into the Week in Geek, sir. Uh, Yes, sir. Week in Geek. Feels so funky. All right. Well, uh, it is that time of the year, and so we will start. We were actually, uh, we took a week off last week and decided to... uh, Take a breather, relax a little bit, and uh, strategize and, and look at our football teams and see what can we do to keep this rolling. Because if you remember, we were both 2-0 and the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. And uh, since week three and four have gone by, uh, what say you, sir? How, how, how are you doing? I completely crapped the bed as predicted. <laughs> Wait a minute. The, the, the autopilot uh, stratagem did not pay off? <laughs> Well, no. See, here's the problem. I, I, I took your advice, or I, well, I actually, I, I, it hurt a little bit. It hurt a little bit that you, that you would accuse me of being negligent. And so, I, to prove you wrong, I just furthered my negligence, and I, I, uh, I abdicated responsibility for my team, and I delegated, I should say, to Patrick, against all better judgment. Oh, good lord! So I gave him the team to manage. And uh, as of right now, I've gone from 2-0 and now to 2-2. and I'm on a nice two-game losing streak, and Patrick has been fired as head coach and GM of They All Hate You after an illustrious two-week tenure. Oh, my gosh. Matt Millen was better, ladies and gentlemen, at his job than Patrick was. Oh, what was wow. it? Who was, the, who was the coach for the, for, the, for the Indianapolis Colts, the one who... Who had that thousand-yard stare? Had no emotions. Oh, I think gosh. it was a coach right after Tony Dungy. Um, oh, I'm struggling. Jim, uh, Caldwell, Jim Caldwell. Yes, yeah. Jim Caldwell was a better head coach than Patrick was. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So I, I've taken two losses right in a row. Just horrific, horrific missteps and just negligence. And I, I have nothing, nothing good to say about it. Nothing good to say. How about you, sir? How you doing? Well, you and I were the only two undefeated teams. Mm-hmm. And then there was one. Yeah, yeah. And that would be yours truly, who is just on a just dominant four-week tear, ladies and gentlemen. Just, mm-hmm. I can't score anything less than 230 points. I, I, I should put Patrick in charge to keep it competitive. 
Sweet Moses. Uh, you know what they say, pride comes before the fall, sir. I know, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've had a run like this in, in years. Fantasy football. Well, that's that's the pride part and also the fact that you farted out roughly eight pounds of sausage in the last <laughs> hour. That's, you're finally relieving uh, some of that pressure, so you're feeling light as a feather. Absolutely. Well, last week I uh, was victorious, 233 to 185, just just continuing a, a path of dominance. And then this week I still have a wide receiver yet to play as of time of recording. I am sitting nicely at 241 points. My opponent, my opponent at 149. He has a wide receiver and a running back yet to play. So we're thinking uh, 259 to 196 is going to be the projected final on this one. But we'll, uh, we'll take it. But I'm, I'm crushing on the uh, points four, I believe. Yes, you are. You are you're leading the league, two, uh, 714 points four. Uh-huh. Far so. and away the best in the league. The best in the world. Now let's let's calm down there, Sparky. You, you, the league. Let's just Look, say, Brooks, let's start Brooks there. Filson is the best in the world. <laughs> yeah, Brooks Filson is the best <laughs> in the world. Don't don't make Brooks mad at you. <laughs> Somewhere CM Punk is Can I Punk get a little cult like, of personality, please? Come on now. <laughs> Somewhere CM Punk is like, there's a couple chuckleheads talking about me somewhere. I just know it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and, and, and just, I, I also do want to note as well, a uh, number of moves I've made uh, since we drafted has is, mm-hmm. is amounts to two. I've made two moves. Oh, that's uh, nice. And and I am 4-0, and oh, so just just very proud of myself, very happy that uh, at least for, for one year in this league, I will go on some sort of undefeated run. And uh, I think I have a couple game lead up on everyone, so I have a nice little cushion there, too. So I'm proud of that. Nice. You, you want a cookie with that? No, but I think I'll take a cheese stick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because that's what you need. You need something else that's going to bind you up. That'll be good. <laughs> Oh, man. That broccoli uh, finally works its way through. It's going to shoot you across the room. Absolutely. Let's see. What are the matchups from next week? So I'm facing. Who even cares? I'm going to lose. Let's just. You're going to win. I'm going to lose. This is how it's going to go. Hey, you're projected to win next week, whoever you're playing. You're uh, 204 to 200 is the projection. And I was projected to win this week. And then Patrick. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) Yes. And then Patrick happened. I got to ask: is is he wearing, uh, you know, the the old school leather helmet as part of his uh, coaching outfit there? No, embarrassingly enough, he's rocking like the Andy Reid look, where he <laughs> where he had like the the plays like stuffed down the front of his pants. You remember that that wonderful look? Okay, I, this- I took a drink of seltzer as you said that. I nearly spewed it everywhere. <laughs> It's it's the worst thing ever, and he's trying to grow a mustache. Oh That's the other thing. Like I don't know why he thinks that Andy Reid is this coaching god that he needs to emulate, <laughs> but he's trying to grow the mustache. Patrick is one of those people. I mean, there's some people who can grow nice whiskers. They can grow good facial hair. It comes in and it's even. Then there's then there's other people who who can just grow lots of facial hair almost instantaneously. Like they'll shave and then by noon they it's not like, only have a five o'clock shadow, they've got a full beard. Like the Homer Simpson, he shaves and then he just comes like right back as he walks away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just swarthy on steroids, that sort nice. of thing. Nice. Patrick is one of those people who, no matter how hard he tries and concentrates on it, he could rub down with Rogaine on a daily basis, and he just looks all patchy and mm-hmm. just 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 gnarly and weird and stuff like that. And it looks like he just got off like an eight day bender on in Vegas, <laughs> that sort of thing. It's not a good look. 
And yet he's oh. trying to grow a mustache, and one side is kind of growing in more than the other. I mean, it's one thing to have a patchy beard, but a patchy mustache is just no bueno. No, no bueno. No. Not yeah, and then he's walking around with, I, I don't even know what the, like, laminated sheets that he has stuffed down the front of his pants. I don't want to know. Yeah. I don't want to know. But he's, that, that's that's the look he's rocking around the office right now. Very so. nice. He's taking no. it seriously, although he's now No, it's fired. not very nice. Well, yeah, but he, that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Somehow he's going to find his way into the, into the league and mess with this week. I know it. I know it. But such is life. Obladi, oblada. Indeed. Uh, our next item. Uh, this is a little preview of a, of an entire episode we're uh, we're gonna do in the next week or two here on Trailer Orama. We just got a lot yes. of a lot of good movies lined up here in the month of October, going into November, and then to be rounded out in December at the you know during the holidays. But uh, James Bond, 007. No yes. time to die. The last roundup for Daniel Craig, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically, uh, I remember watching Daniel Craig on Saturday Night Live last February, or actually now two Februarys ago, before uh, COVID hit. Ah, uh, yes, in the before times. And I, I remember remarking this to my wife uh, over the weekend. I'm, you know, because I I saw some commercials for it. I'm like, wow, like he was on Saturday Night Live promoting that like over a year and a half ago. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so weird. A lot of movies have been sitting in the can uh-huh. for a long time, and a lot of them had already shifted back even further. I think we're going to start seeing some of those shift forward again, because what, the new Venom movie just came out and made a whole butt yep. ton of money. Oh, and also post credit scene uh, caused the interwebs to vibrate a little bit. So. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I know you sent me a link on that. I haven't seen that. I actually haven't seen the original Venom yet. I've seen so many clips on YouTube, but I haven't seen the entire movie in one yeah. piece. Mm-hmm. Which I I don't understand. The, the, one of the problems is like I can never seem to figure out where the f- frack this thing is streaming. Ah. Like this is one of the problems with the new streaming economy is trying to find stuff because sometimes mm-hmm. it's like oh it's streaming here no it's not oh it's streaming here no it's not and then yeah. you find out oh it's streaming on this service well I don't want to pay the ten dollars for a month of that just to watch this movie I might as well go buy it yeah. but I don't want to buy it. And I don't necessarily even want to rent it. It's, it. You get into this weird limbo where, like, even the rentals is like, ah, I don't want to. And then you get into like, oh, maybe I'll go to Redbox because you know, in a time of, of of still in COVID, yes, I want to go to get something out of a machine that every human being within 400 square miles has touched, rubbed, and licked, and then take the <laughs> DVD out that they've all touched, rubbed, and licked, and sat on. Oh dear. And I, yeah, I want to bring that into my home, like. Good God! Not without, not unless they have a, like a serious Lysol and UV like decontamination procedure going on inside that machine. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I haven't seen Venom, but Venom Two making lots of money. So hopefully, all those movies. What were we talking about? I completely got us off track here. We were talking so about James Bond. So you're talking right? about comic book movies. We were talking about the man James Bond. There we. Oh yes, something much Daniel more Craig's logical and reasonable. Curtain call, grounded. so to speak. Yes, which is. I'm really glad to see him getting a curtain call because, to my mind, one of the best James Bonds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I you can't take away Sean Connery as the OG, but Daniel Craig to me is is a close second. Mm-hmm. I think his his run has been excellent. I actually enjoyed Spectre. I didn't think it was as horrible as some people thought it was, but I'm also glad to see that you know there's there. Hopefully, it's going to be a step up from that because I did feel that was probably his weakest turn as Bond. Ah, okay. But I I will be more than happy if they they kind of up it to a Casino Royale or Skyfall sort of level. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be nice. I have seen none of the Bond movies, but this one looks what? intriguing to me. I have seen none of them. Oh, t- come on, dude. I haven't. 
All right. Well, you got some homework to do. No Time to Die is going to premiere on Friday the 8th, which will be when this episode goes live, which I'll... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go ahead and knock on some wood there that the editing department doesn't go to shambles in that time. I'm and, glad you uh, said that. I thought Patrick found his way to your house or something like that. So. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you'd treat that like the bat cave. You know, you, you don't tell them where it is. I, 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 actually, I actually usually make two or three stops on the way home from the office just to make sure he's not tailing me. It's like <laughs> I, I keep a close lookout for his little Vespa when I'm in traffic oh. to make sure he's not, he's not trailing me. Uh, anyways. Yeah, you can you can hear him a mile away because his muffler's gone. <laughs> it's more like a it's like a blender on a bad day. So from what I can tell from the trailer is is Bond uh kind of out of commission right now and he's kind of getting like like it's the Godfather three thing, he's getting pulled back in and uh Well that's kind of been the case for for a couple movies now. Okay. And, and okay. yeah. So it's I, I do appreciate how we have seen the arc of Bond because it really the, the up until Daniel Craig's time as Bond, the movies haven't really been conti- you know, like a continuous story arc. You know, right. there have been right. there have been a couple, but it wasn't really ever like multiple movies. And the idea of seeing him go from Casino Royale when it's basically his first mission as a double O and he gets his license to kill, and then seeing him kind of as that youngish sort of agent coming up and brash mm-hmm. and you know, all that, to over the span of years seeing him get more and more world weary and disillusioned, but yet coming back and just seeing the toll that this has kind of taken on a person who lives that life. Whereas before it was just like, oh, well, Bond's life is terrific. I mean, look at this. He always gets the girl and all the gadgets and this and that. And you through this trailer, I mean, even you kind of get that sense, uh, even though you haven't seen the movies, like this mm. is a dude who's kind of at the end of his rope. Like you can see it, like, and especially that part of the... <laughs> That part where, you know, all the bad guys are essentially pulling the the Nick Fury in, um, what was it, Captain America Winter Soldier, where they're like just shooting the crap out of the car and he's sitting there behind this, you know, bulletproof glass that's eventually going to cave in. And he ain't doing anything until the girl says something and then, you know, he finally does. Yeah. But you can kind of get that sense. And like, I, I am a very appreciative of the fact that this is like the, the last ride. This is one more time. You know, into the breach, my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm loving that, and I'm loving a good send off for Daniel Craig. Just out of curiosity, and this is a, a little bit not pertaining to the trailer, but pertaining to the trailer. And, and you don't have to go into super depth, but how have the stories held up? Like, have they? You know, like you said, it sounds like there's a little more serialization to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. The the whole idea of Bond to me, and I think this is one of the things I struggle with sitting down and watching one of these, is buying into that whole super agent sort of thing at this phase of life you know what i mean yeah and do they do a good job of making it compelling like you know kind of in the way that when christopher nolan did the dark knight series he found a way to make batman as ludicrous as it sounds when you speak what the synopsis is about a man dressing up as a bat and running around Mm -hmm. made it something that was timely to the 2000s that was a great you know sort of story arc of one who rises to be a hero and and live that life and then kind of has his exit is it kind of like that, where where they found a way to to make it very much twenty first centuryized and 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 have it feel like organic, or is it still feel kind of like out of place? I feel it holds up very well. Okay. I feel that okay. I feel it fit in very well. It it didn't hurt that we got the the born identity and the born movies kind of coming along right before. 
they yeah. kind of brought Daniel Craig in and, and you kind of got an idea of like, okay, this is how you ought to do James Bond in the 21st century. Gotcha. And I personally think they help, they hold up very well and they, and they sit very nicely and, and are, are more grounded than before. Now, yeah. Oh, You'll have a ton of other opinions on that because there was a whole lot of people who didn't like the idea of Daniel Craig playing Bond whatsoever. Uh, just really? Because he did he did not match the description, the physical description of Bond in the original Ian Fleming books or this uh, or that. And I mean, you know how it is. Like any any kind of franchise that has its fans and super fans, there's always going to be something to nitpick and to complain about. So Grandpa Simpson shaking the can. That's not James Bond. Exactly. There we but go. for me, I really enjoy it. I, nice. I've really enjoyed this run, and I've really enjoyed the movies. And I, I think they do a, a good job of, of keeping things as grounded as possible mm-hmm. in this world of like the super spy. I think they, they've done a good job of balancing some of those things to give you enough over-the-top stuff so that it isn't just like ordinary and mundane, but yet yeah. also giving you enough kind of character insight that you're not like, oh, well, it's just a cardboard cutout doing action things. Right. That's Very my cool. thought. Yeah. It looks compelling to me. However, being the type A personality that I am, I'm going to have to go back and watch from the beginning first before I allow myself to watch this movie. So I'll tell you, I mean, you you go Casino Royale, you know, Quantum Mm -hmm. of Solace, Mm -hmm. Skyfall, Spectre. It's they're not like extraordinarily lengthy movies. Yeah. But I I think they're I think they're well worth it. And I think they're very they move quickly enough that you don't they don't really bog down. Spectre kind of bogged down a little bit in a couple of spots. But Mm -hmm. I -hmm. feel like the first three really just moved really well. Nice, Nice. Yeah. So I don't think it would take you all that long to cruise through those. So I guess we're saying uh, this is a buy from an interest perspective from both of us. Oh, totally. I'm I'm very inve- I've been invested in. Actually, I've got all of these movies on DVD or Blu-ray. So I'm planning nice. on trying to do a little mini marathon myself before catching the latest and uh, final Daniel Craig Bond adventure. So yeah, I'm a strong buy. Excellent. All right. And uh, moving along, well, we have a little bit of an update. For those of you that remember, we did an entire episode on uh, Scar Joe and Mickey Momo. Yes. Stream versus screen, sir. And uh, we, we have an update coming over the wire here. <laughs> Sorry. That was my bad. Good morning, Vietnam impression. Um, anyways. <laughs> it was, it was not, wasn't that bad. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that good, but it wasn't that bad. Do, 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 do these machines even exist nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> not really. I don't no. think so. No, uh, actually, it, most of our audience has no idea what the hell you're talking. About. I well, yeah, like like there's kind of a layered indirection thing going on there. It's like first off, what is Good Morning Vietnam? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second oh, of all, I mean, <laughs> what is a teletype machine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's there's many layers of of these guys uh, are really old, aren't they? Who's Robin? Will- no, I don't want to say that. But anyways, yes. So ScarJo and Mickey Momo have uh, made up. There has been a settlement. People are being paid mm-hmm. appropriately, and think all has. been been smoothed over and is well in the marvel world for now yeah for big for now yes for now (laughs) i don't know uh beyond that what what more to go into other than uh it it seemed like it was a standoff for a while and uh what what i found kind of interesting were you know for scarlett johansson's you know side of things it was good to see other actors kind of coming to her I don't know how to put it exactly like not coming to her aid but it's it's mm-hmm. just you know taking up with her side of this saying this doesn't seem right and yeah. you know as as artists and I know we're talking about people who are making millions of dollars 
of which, you know, uh, a world I will never understand or, or see. But the fact is there were agreements. There were ways of, of, of releasing and distributing this film. And, you know, I think as, as we have adjudicated on uh, Free Range EDC Court that we found for ScarJo. And I'm glad to see that uh, our, our ruling was taken into account when the settlement was reached. Yes, I, I do believe it was in uh, it was presented in the negotiations as a form of evidence in in favor of her. I believe I've, I I have heard that through through my sources that okay. we, we were involved in that. So we have done our good deed for this month. I believe. All right. Well, hey, as long as uh, you know, I, I use the word adjudicate appropriately and correctly, and it led to mm-hmm. something good, then we're we're all good here. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, for me, the one thing here is just why it took so long to do what was the blindingly obvious thing even yeah. before the first decision was made. I mean, the, the Disney CEO here uh, was it Bob Chappick, Chappie, Chappie, uh, good old Chappie. He Chappie. he had every bit of information at his disposal, but yet it chose to engo- engage in this this corporate level of hubris. Uh, which, I mean, quite honestly, Disney, this is not the first time Disney has kind of gone through this sort of thing. Like Disney has a very much a you want it, we got it, you're going to pay for it sort of mentality. And they've done well with that. And it's it's they've managed to do it in some benign ways. Like when you go to Disney, you best have your wallet screwed on tight because you're going to pay like you are going to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And they'll do it. Everyone has a smile and take care of you and all this. But it ain't cheap. Yeah. So they they will they will remove you from your money very mm-hmm. quickly. But in this case, it's so silly. HBO and Warner Brothers already showed you what happens when you do this. Yeah. And they decided to play hardball. And yes, I mean, I'll just I'll be the first one to go back to it. I think the fact that it's Scarlett Johansson, you know, the fact that they 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 wouldn't have done this to Robert Downey Jr., they wouldn't have done this to Dwayne Johnson because Dwayne had himself a different type of agreement. Granted, his mm-hmm. was probably written after Scarlett Johansson's, but you don't treat Dwayne Johnson that way. And right, Scarlett right. Johansson is not some lightweight actor who has not made people a lot of money. Scarlett Johansson is incredibly bankable as an actor. Mm-hmm. And they chose to deal with her in a very flippant left-handed way. And it was kind of shocking to see that kind of stuff come from just the level of kind of disdain in the comments. Yeah, which was it, it was just it was so blindingly stupid. It's like this should have just this shouldn't have ever happened. Like you could no. have avoided all of this by writing a check. Yeah, and, and and why wouldn't you? And now not only have they written the check, but they also have the bad press of the last few months. They get to carry around with them until everyone forgets about it. Yeah, which I mean, granted, the thing is, like Disney is is such a gigantic machine at this point. This is not really going to affect them that much. This is not going to. I mean, we said when we did that episode, like it might affect people's you know, willingness to work with them and things like that. Right. Now that they've taken care of it, it's right back to business as usual. Because Mm -hmm. if you want to be in a Star Wars movie, a Marvel movie, or a Disney movie, which guess what? You're going to make some money off of those movies. You're going to get paid being in those movies. You're going to get name recognition being in those movies. Well, game on. Yeah. So Disney's really not getting hurt that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which kind of, it's neither here nor there. It's the way of the world. But it is nice to see, you know, ScarJo get hers and for hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully some of the other people who might have had similar deals, but of course not had the, the large marquee name. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that some of that money trickles down to them and, and we see this 
you know, we see people getting taken care of. Because quite honestly, I'm, I'm a little more concerned about the other folks. Uh, you know, Scarlett is not too concerned about where her next uh, next cup of coffee or uh, next fancy shoes for her next red carpet is coming from. I think she's quite well taken care of there, and uh, she's done quite well for herself. But Agreed. hopefully that's gotten down to some of the other levels. Agree. But good for her. Good for her. Indeed. And there was peace. And now... Before we close out this episode's version of the Week in Geek, we have a little uh, subsection. Yes, I'm, I'm opening a small subsection here. The Free Range oh, Idiocy geez. Fitness Edition. This is what we're doing. You've got a section of the show already, and now you're subdividing it. Like, you're going to start subcontracting this out to other people. That's right. That's right. I think I'm going to sell Patrick up for a, uh, a little, little spot. Oh, don't you dare. <laughs> Don't you dare. I'm going to start drinking while we're, while we're recording again. <laughs> but I'll, uh, have, I'll have no choice. From from a fitness perspective, it goes back a week or two uh, since, since, as I mentioned, we, we, we took last week off. But I had set a goal for myself uh, before uh, the fall weather and the fall season hits us hard here. And, and quite honestly, here in Chicago, it's fall for a few days and then it's winter. Um, <laughs> But basically, I, I wanted to get 30 miles on my bike, have a nice hybrid, not, not a mountain bike, a, a just, just a hybrid bike for, for road and for trail. And we have a lot of trails around here in the suburbs of, of Chicago. Uh, so you can basically ride pretty much, you know, without fear of cars sneaking up behind you for, for quite a ways. Which is nice. It, it, yeah, it really is. I, I, I do uh, some, some street riding every now and then. And uh, yeah, it's, it can be a little nerve wracking at times. But uh-huh. uh, but no, th- this was a, a Saturday uh, afternoon jaunt that uh, I went 15 miles east of where I live, turned around, started to pedal back the 15 miles, thinking, oh, what a great idea, and hitting a wall of wind as I was doing it. <laughs> Go figure around Chicago. And thinking to myself, oh, sweet Moses, how am I going to get home when I'm pedaling and not moving anywhere? <laughs> yeah. That's great planning on your part. It was. And and I swear, as I was riding from west to east, I never felt a breeze to my back or anything. I'm just I mm-hmm. it just felt like everything was still. And I turned around and all of a sudden it's just like you know, I'm just like, holy yeah. moly, where did this come from? It's always when you're at your most tired and you have no options. Yeah. Oh, and 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 mentally it's so discouraging because I'm pedaling and literally cannot bust my way up to the higher gears to get any sort of speed. I'm just like in the low gears, you know, <laughs> just wheel, you know, feet spinning and not really going anywhere. Just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Anyways, it turned out to be a 30 mile round trip, which I, I was, I was happy with, uh, you know, just hitting my goal early. I'm now recovered. I, I, I texted uncle Todd afterwards saying, oh my gosh, I, I, I think my body is, is asking me why, why did you do this to me? <laughs> And you had no good answer. I had no good answer. But 30 miles on the bicycle, and uh, we are we're, we are good to go. Uh, you, sir, uh, fitness, uh, I believe you have a story about your triceps. How, how are they feeling? Well, so I've been going back to the gym. This is, this is actually beginning my third month of being back at the gym. I haven't made a big deal of it because, quite honestly, I'm still in the process of trying to get past the point where I'm just compensating for my own bad habits. So I'm... <laughs> I'm doing all right. I'm 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 starting my new program, and I've started using. Uh, I've started this whole process with a with a personal trainer, because I know that I don't know nearly enough about any of the uh, weight machines, training, exercise. I don't know enough about any of it to do it mm-hmm. one effectively, and two without like seriously breaking myself. So I've I've bit the bullet. 
and invested in a personal trainer, budgeted out for that. And I'm now at the point where I can, for the most part, once I get a program down, I just run the rest of the month on my own. But the, the first time through the program, I do the days with the trainer to make sure I understand what I'm doing and that I'm not doing it stupidly so that I, I break myself. One thing that has become abundantly clear to me as I begin my third month, any kind of tricep exercise is not my friend. I don't know why my triceps are the weakest muscle on my body. I have no freaking clue. But me, unless I manage to somehow like grow a third tricep, I don't know how this is going to work out long term. Because every time I do, I do exercise with the triceps, it, I, I, I almost want to post on Facebook just to tell people like, hey, by the way, if, if you see me out today and I don't wave to you, it's not because I don't see you or because I'm not being friendly. It's because I can't raise my arm <laughs> at all, like even close to my shoulder in order to wave. Like I'm waving, but it's down around my thigh or my waist and you probably can't see it because that's as far as my arm will go up. Oh nice. my good nice. Lord. So I did my workout today. I actually thought, okay, I'm a little sore. I'm okay. I got into the locker room, went to take off my shirt. And as I'm taking my shirt off, I let out this little whimper like, <laughs> because my, my, my muscles almost gave out as I'm taking off my shirt, which weighs nothing. You know, it's a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm taking wow. this thing off. And oh yeah, it was it was pathetic. Okay, trying to wash my hair in the shower. I'm like bending halfway over because I can't get my arms up all the way. Other people oh, was, in the locker room are hearing these whimpers, like, oh, what is wrong with this guy? Oh yeah. They're like, Do we need to call 911? You all right in there? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> just gonna need a few minutes. Just a few minutes just thinking over life. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fitness has a price. That's all I'm yes. gonna say. Yes, it does. And that, my friends, is a healthy and fitful week in geek. And once again, just pushing the outer edges of credulity and time on the week in geek. Thank you, my hey, man Tim. I did not spend five minutes on flatulence at the beginning. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm even taking that out, and you're, we're still pushing your time. My goodness, my goodness. All right. Well, we uh, we do have a, a main subject here. We do actually have a subject. We have a. We do have a point, as long as it takes us to get around to it. We do have a point. And uh, this past uh, Sunday was the return, the first game Tom Brady has played in Foxborough, Massachusetts, on the opposing team. Uh, mm -hmm. Coming out of the coming out from the visitors' locker room for the first time, coming out on the on the visitors' sideline for the first time, playing his old team. And uh, you have to talk about this because it's always been the been the whole debate in New England. Who's better? You know, who's more important, Brady or Belichick? Brady or Belichick? Mm -hmm. And now you got him matched up, and we saw what happened. So we had to talk about this because we've Brady getting this thing within an inch of its life, and now we're finally going to just kill this gimmick. We're going to bury it six feet under <laughs> with this until, with this show until Brady gives us another reason to uh, bring it back. Yeah, and the funny thing was last night, last night they're like, well, this probably won't happen again because of the way the divisional games work out, so it'll be another four or five years. And then they, like, Collinsworth and Michaels actually had to pause and like, well, maybe we will be talking about this again. <laughs> four or five years from now, the way things are going, like Brady's eating nothing but tofu and like is is more pliable than your average like twenty two year old. So mm -hmm. maybe he will. Maybe he is going to make a record, a run at George Blanda's record. Like why not? You know, breaking all the other records. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. So uh, this was first thing that we have to talk about here is overall game hype. 
which I think uh, basically the hype factor on this was warp factor 11. There was it was just yes. Mr. LaForge engage. Shut up, Wesley. Like and the and but at the same time like there is a legit reason for that, you know? Like they actually had the live shot of Brady coming out and it was kind of that well, what's he going to do, you know, when he comes out and he did his normal thing like run down the sideline mm. and, and get to the end zone and did his let's go thing and and they were saying like the stadium was like 70% full and that was like an hour before kickoff. So people had showed up to make sure they were there for the moment when Brady came out in the field for the first time, which was uh, which was kind of amazing. And they went back to that several times and just talking about what it all meant and all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the hype for this was huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. I mean, it, it was the return, all of that stuff. It, oh, man, it was it was insane, the level of hype. But at the same time, I don't know if it was overhyped. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, a little bit overhyped. Yeah. How 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 was the reception when he walked out? He got cheered. He got cheered when he came out in the field the first time. However, when he came out to after the game started, he came out. There was a lot of booze, which I was like, yes, there's the New England fans for you. I'm like, we love you until the game starts. Now you suck. Yeah, it's like, yes. watch your head. <laughs> These are my people. You oh, didn't lose God. your heads after all. Oh dear. But yeah, it was it, a lot of hype. But at the same time, I can't really fault anybody for hyping this game because it's yeah. huge. Absolutely huge. I mean, yeah. in all the other circumstances where you've had like, you know, Manning going back to Indy or, you know, I mean, what whatever return that you might want to throw in there. It's never been this level because you've never had one, the level of success and two, the level of success with two individuals for that long that you mm -hmm. can put on equal platforms. Right. You know, right. Peyton Manning had several different coaches. Who cares if he went back and Caldwell was coach? Like, eh, I mean, Caldwell didn't even know that he was still the head coach. Of the, he was on Thorazine, apparently, and they just <laughs> wheeled him out to the sideline. I don't He didn't blink during the game. I mean, that's, I, I, yeah. he, for all we know, Jim Caldwell might have been a weekend at Bernie's sort of situation. I don't know. Like, they, was two people on either side of him holding them, up, holding them up the whole game? Could be. But with Brady and Belichick, like, they were both there the whole time. And the just the level of expertise for both of them, it's tough not to, not to hype that up because yeah. you've never quite had that level of success and then had something like this happen. Right. Well, and, and what's interesting about everything you've kind of said, and it's true, is when you're talking about the hype, you're talking about it around Belichick and Brady. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about it around the teams because you and I, I think both had the similar perspective. I had missed the first half. So when I when I got home and it was just about the end of, of the first half when, when I got home and I started texting you, your first response to me was, this is a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I was so, joking with people Sunday Sunday morning. Like, yeah, it's probably going to be over in the first quarter. I'll be able to head better early. You know, It'll be oh like 24 to nothing. No way yeah. I would have thought that it would be that close. I think as a Patriots fan, we understand where we are right now. You know what I mean? And 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 I don't think anyone bought in. Now, now if you want to talk about hype, I think and, and this is not his fault. I'm I, I think it's just, you know, the the sports media in general. A lot of hype for, for Mac Jones because Oh yeah. There yeah. there was People such are a desire. Like 10 and 10 and 7, 11 and 6. Yeah. I'm like what what kind of drugs are you on? There is such and, a desire. You know, spread it around a little because, I mean, I could use a little of that sunny optimism. Like, oh, my gosh. Right. There, 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 there was such a desire to see who is now going to take over Brady's mantle. You know, they tried with yeah. Newton last year. Uh, didn't didn't pan out well. Uh, and now Newton is no longer with the team. <laughs> that's that's a bit of an understatement. I mean. <laughs> Didn't work out well. That's like saying that the that the maiden voyage of the Titanic went 
a little off plan. A little bit. Just a you little know? bit. Yeah. So I, you know, I feel like as as Patriots fans, we kind of understand where we are, and and I'll I'll be perfectly honest. It, it's one of those things that you can a, after the run that the team has had nearly two decades with Brady and Belichick and the championships and being in the playoffs and being in the Super Bowl as consistently as they were. For me as a fan, I know there there are probably some diehards that would strongly disagree with me, but I, I find it really hard to get upset or to be feeling down about where they are right now. They they eventually were going to have to do this. They were going to have to rebuild. They were going to have to move on. And quite honestly, you know, I feel like Belichick's coaching and management is coming through. Uh, mm-hmm. as well as the organization in terms of how they've been drafting, in terms of how they've been pulling talent in. And it seems like they're trying to build a well-rounded team and I think what we saw last night, beyond it being Belichick versus Brady, you know, the brains versus the, uh, I can't call it the brawn. What what do we want to call that? Brains. It's basically the off, off-field brains and the on-field brains. Because yeah. That was, the brain uh, versus the brain. The um, brain versus the arm, I suppose you could put it. All right. The the architect versus the cerebral assassin. Let's put it there in wrestling you, terms. The architect versus the execution. Ah, there we go. The excellence of execution brought it back to Bret Hart, baby. Yeah. So to see them come back together, but but to have the game be played the way it was, where we saw the Patriots keep it close, you know, especially for for the first half and and, and Mm -hmm. into the remainder of the second half was impressive. Now, I got to say, I don't know that I've ever seen Brady play in a monsoon before. So so the weather decided to also show up as if, you know, the Lord had something to say about this, you know. Well, the other thing, too, is it's not like it stopped raining whenever Mac Jones was throwing the ball either. And Mac Jones, as we saw in that game, tied. He actually exceeded the record for a rookie quarterback for consecutive passes and tied Brady's longest streak. Mm -hmm. 19 passes in a row, which is as good as Brady has ever done, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, I mean, that's, that's a very underrated sort of thing. And granted, I mean, it's not like some of those throws were, you know, 30, 40 yards. All of them were 30, 40 yards down the field. But still, in the NFL, completing 19 straight passes is no joke. Especially considering, I mean, Tampa's defense is not a bunch of pushovers. Like that's a, even though they were playing, you know, with with a very depleted secondary, as we saw from the sacks that they they got on on Mac Jones, they can get they can get to the passer. They haven't they hadn't so far this year, but they managed to do it last night. So they could put some pressure there. They're no they're not schlubs. They might not be the best defense in the NFL, but they can play. Yeah, yeah. You complete nineteen passes against anybody in the NFL. That's an accomplishment because those are all still professional players. Agreed. I mean, Brady is no stranger to, to bad weather. I mean, he played in New England all those years, all the, mm-hmm. you know, the snow game and had plenty of time playing in bad conditions. So I, I, I'm, I don't think that I think the, the interesting thing about that was watching Brady get flustered the way mm-hmm. that he was because he really there were times when he was really getting flustered, yeah. especially in the first half. And you could see it. And like he's almost he's kind of yelling at receivers. And you're like, dude, that ain't the receiver's fault unless you're expecting that receiver to be able to jump 10 feet in the air. Right. Like, that was on you, buddy. Like yeah. that you overthrew it. It's OK. You know, unless he's yelling at himself. I don't know. But he there was, it was interesting watching him get flustered and seeing Belichick be able to do that. Um, now, granted, the Patriots defense played extremely well. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was actually I would say the, the defense probably still got a B, B plus. Not an A, just because they were. They still had a lot of times when they should have been able to make a play, 
And yeah. that if if you want to get to that A, A-plus level defense, you have to make at least a couple of those. Mm-hmm. And they missed far too many to really put you at that level. Like there was a couple times that Brady ended up with had a second long and they couldn't, in two plays, they couldn't keep him from getting the first down. And it's like, yep. you got to get a couple of those. You got to, you know? I do feel like it's almost in, in some ways insulting when, when you know, he, he runs on those third downs and it's like, I, I'm just sitting there like, how can none of these defensive guys catch him? He runs like a gazelle, you know? It's like, it, it's like slow motion running, watching him Well, run. a gazelle with like, with his feet and concrete, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the thing is, well, as, as as Julian Edelman used to say, you know, people love to watch the Clydesdale run and and very apt. Like he has not gotten any faster. But no. the thing the thing you factor into that is they're not expecting him to run. Yeah. Like I don't I don't hold the third and sixth run that he had against the defense as one of those plays. Just because you're you're thinking that that's the last thing you're worried about. Like if you would rather give up that first down than, you know, some others where the players who are supposed to be getting the ball get the first down like okay Brady got that one because we're not even folk we don't have anybody keeping an, that much of an eye on him yeah you know yeah. uh if if, if it's going to depend come down to Brady beating us with his feet we're feeling pretty good about our odds you know what I mean right but yeah there just wasn't enough times when they did now granted I will say that was hampered just a little bit just a little bit and I'm gonna you know even though I'm not much of an NFL fan these days and I I, I don't watch as nearly as much football as I once did I I will say unless the rules have drastically changed in the in the past couple of years uh, unbeknownst to me the referees could have thrown a flag on every single Tampa offensive play and essentially just said holding on whoever is blocking Matthew Judon mm-hmm. and 80 percent of the time they would have been right because yeah. that dude's shoulder pads were twirled sideways on every play. There was a hand up in his face. The the guy had his arm wrapped around him, and they only called it a couple times. Yeah, I mean, because he was he would have plowed Brady six feet under at least three or four times mm-hmm. because the that left tackle could not handle him, could not handle him, and yeah. the refs just were in some cases just letting it slide and i get like there's whole you could call holding on any offensive play in the nfl but it was so blatant so blatant half the time like it wasn't in the middle of the line it was like this dude's all alone in space one-on-one and got his arm like totally wrapped around the guy just outright holding him and a ref is in the vicinity but apparently just i don't see nothing you know like okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a couple a couple calls on those would have helped or like you know not being allowed to hold all the time would have helped mm-hmm. but but anyways i digress uh you know new england also got away with one when they got early in the game there was a fumble that was overturned where i'm like oh no t- that's totally a fumble that should have been a, <laughs> that should have been a turnover like that was a bad call yeah but overall i mean I tweeted it out uh, on Sunday night that if you told me that the Patriots would still be in the game at the beginning of the fourth quarter, I would have been surprised. If you told me they were going to actually have a one-point lead, I would have been absolutely stupefied mm-hmm. because it just that that was not even in my brain that that was right. going to be it. So I mean, of, of it was a great game back and forth. You know, if, especially if you enjoy kind of like those little twists and turns and a bit of a defensive struggle and, you know, just watching a guy like Mac Jones kind of come into his own a little bit like mm-hmm. dude was was cool un, under pressure. I will say that maybe a little too cool sometimes because some of those sacks was sort of like he was like, OK, I was like, dude. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. I he, he was getting pounded. Yeah, yeah, he, he was, was he was getting hit. But I mean, he 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 stood in there, took took the hits that he needed to. 
And, you know, even some of those times when I'm like, yeah, he just sort of like crumple. It's like, okay, well, that's what you do. It's like, you're going to get hit. Well, take the hit as easy as you can and just get down when you know you're going to get clobbered. Don't take, don't pull right. a Drew Bledsoe and just get your, you know, get your socks knocked off like, uh, like that guy. Oh my gosh. The number of times I saw him just get depleted was unbelievable because he yeah. just never saw it coming. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How, how like, you know, it, that whole Mo Lewis hit that, you know, severed the artery in his chest, like that was just a matter of time with Drew. Like that dude took so many hits, just standing straight up. It was unreal. Yeah, it, it, I mean, yeah, they they put good pressure on him, but like you said, he, you know, he 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 maintained his poise, and he was, you know, he was making plays, and it was just, it was really, I don't mean to say refreshing, but it was it was fun to watch him, you know, perform. And you got to imagine, okay, so if this is what he's doing here, I mean. How is he just going to continually get better as as time goes on, you know, and and as they face, you know, more and more defenses, if if he's really, you know, able to to maintain his cool in those high pressure situations, I mean, that's that's who you need, you know, and mm-hmm. and they didn't get blown out, they they lost by you know just just a a couple points, so it's they're not far from being able to come around and and you know make it be a competitive game and. And, and hang with basically the defending champions who are very much coming back in, in a, you know, a similar state as what they were last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, the hype was very much focused on, on Brady and Belichick overall game. I, I really just felt was kind of like a, a letter of sorts to Patriots fans. Like you, we, we are not so far gone. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's rebuilding. It's not going to be what it once was, but there, there's growth going on. They've got good talent. And, and I think, they are going to be a legitimate threat, you know, if, if not this season, you know, next season, because they, they just seem to have like the next generation of playmakers, you know, kind of slowly coming into their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, just for a perspective, uh, Mac Jones was 31 of 40 for 275 yards, two touchdowns and an interception and mm. the interception. Yeah. His fault, not his fault. I mean, it was one of those ones where essentially it ended up being what amounted to a short punt, you know, I because hmm. that was a I believe that was a fourth down play and bombed it in there and Tampa ended up with it. But I was like, man, you're about the same range as, as what you would you might end up with a punt with a return or just a, you know, yeah, puncher comes in and shanks it a little. So it wasn't the it wasn't the end of the world, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brady, of course, was uh, 22 of 43, a rather inefficient game for him for 269 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Yep. So, I mean, you could make the argument that Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady in that game. I wouldn't necessarily say it that way because the thing that doesn't show in the stats is that Brady managed to get his team in a position to win. Right. And, and, right. and you know, for, for the amount of yardage that Mac Jones got, I mean, he he just didn't quite – he wasn't able to, to lead the team exactly where they needed to be. There was, there was some money left on the table. Yeah, which is to be expected. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, for all the good things he did, he still had that one boneheaded play where they were down by the end zone and he tried to make that running across his body throw into like what amounted to like triple coverage. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And the, and the only reason that like the, I think the only reason that the Tampa player dropped it is because he was like, no way he's going to do something that stupid. Oh my God, here it comes. You know, it was, it was that shocking to him. Like, oh crap, you're gonna, you're actually going to do that? Okay. Holy But yeah. Holy. And then to have, I mean, so the one of the things that I I read uh, or I heard today was that uh, someone had actually said that basically this idea that this amounts to a draw in terms of Brady versus Belichick, even though Brady gets the win, the fact that 
the Patriots only lost by two. And in fact, with what, like uh, a couple minutes left in the game, we're in a position to actually kick the winning field goal. They, they got down there. All this would have required was a little bit of a left to right breeze. Mm-hmm. And that kick goes through. It had it had enough leg to make it, you know, considering which is an achievement of itself, because, I mean, I don't think Nick Folk has ever been renowned for his leg strength. Yeah. Uh, accuracy, maybe. But that's a long field goal in the rain and, you know, chilly ish weather. And of course, we heard from Collinsworth about how his plant leg was giving him trouble or something. I don't know what the cra- what it was. I mean, you I don't think I've heard from- more about a plant leg in the span of two minutes than I did last night. Yeah, I mean, you would have from the way that Collinsworth is talking about it. You would have thought it had been amputated earlier this week. And he was walking around on a peg leg like a pirate. You know, I don't know, but but considering that that I mean, it went off the upright it, just one foot to the right and you're you're talking about a whole other outcome mm-hmm. i can't argue with that nope. and and the, there's the argument of oh well you know brady was missing you know or tampa was missing their cornerbacks you know uh, they were they were really thin at cornerback and he was missing gronkowski and it's like well yeah and the patriots are a young team with a rookie quarterback and almost a dozen new starters this year which is the mm-hmm. most they've had since uh, the graphic was saying since 2001 which was the the second year of the great Belichick clearinghouse when he came in, you know, sweeping out the <laughs> remnants of the Pete Carroll regime, you know, the 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 pimp hand era of Belichick cleaning out all them corners. The Carroll and reign of terror has ended. <laughs> yes, yes, the the Fredo Corleone <laughs> reign of terror of of Coach Fredo uh, Carroll oh, was over, gosh. and um, yeah, so the fact that that team is not is not, I mean. Gelling. I mean, I gotta, I gotta give those kind of equal weight, and they both played mm-hmm. under the same conditions, and they both you play when you got it, and and how the teams are at that time, and man, uh, you know, Belichick and and uh, the the mullet that is Steve Belichick. Oh my <laughs> good sweet lord, what is going on with that dude? Is okay. So I, I have, to I ask. have questions. I have many questions. Just real quick, so so if we're referring to the same person, I think we are. There there was a point during the second half broadcast where yeah, they they showed an individual who had a mullet esque sort of head of hair. I mean, looked oh, like no, something no. out of an eighties rock band. That wasn't mullet esque. That's straight up mullet, dude. Okay. That is full on mullet. That is a that is the one of the only mullets you're going to see north of the Mason Dixon in the <laughs> wild, outside of captivity. Actually, no, I I okay. Outside of hockey arenas, because apparently oh, mullets gosh. are still big in hockey. I don't know how or why, but but that yeah, that's. But a, he's a coach, right? And and he was like, it's Belichick's kid, and he and he's barking orders into a into a headset, right? Yeah, and lolling his tongue around and doing these like weird oh, like faces. I saw it's that the, guy. I'm like, he looks like a transplant from the '80s. I swear. It, the thing is, I'm I'm just wondering after watching like the game tape if if Bill is going to go to his son this week. You know, uh, I know COVID protocol doesn't say we uh, need to wear masks, but uh, you, you might want to consider it <laughs> because oh, I mean, you know, he's he is instantly memefied. Like I di- I didn't look around online today, but I'm sure that that his face. Uh, Charles Pierce had the best tweet as uh, Steve Belichick is the face that launched a thousand uh, gifs. It's like yes, yes, that is going to be it. But yes, so but uh, but you know, Bill and and company, great job containing Brady, doing what they could, and 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 almost pulled it off, almost pulled it off, mm-hmm. which is 
incredibly impressive. It is. Yeah, the the whole idea of it being a draw to me is just, it's the theater of it. As you described, the game was a good defensive and it was a good back and forth kind of a game. And Mm -hmm. yeah, is it a draw in the sense that you expected the Patriots to get blown out? I mean, if you want to term it that way, I, I think you know, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, I think both of us were both surprised by how the Pats kept up and, and how they kept it close and the way they were playing and both on, on, you know, on both sides of the ball. And so I think it was a, a pleasant surprise for fans. Not that everyone thought they would get tar beat out of them, but they're, they're a team that's rebuilding and they're facing a team that won the championship last year. So do the math on that one. Mm-hmm. You know, did this show that Belichick has Brady's number? I don't I don't necessarily think that. I I think the team was clearly prepared. The defense played well. You know, there's a lot of factors that worked into it. I mean, the tail end of the first half that I saw with the rain and everything. I mean, he, you know, Brady was overthrowing like crazy and and maybe he was overthrowing when it was dry, you know, as as I think you were alluding to. But I just think coming into it, uh, it just, the game was what it was. And and to call it a draw is, is to just overly focus on the fact that the media wanted to declare a winner. Belichick was better than Brady. I don't think you're ever going to get it. You, you know, get to that point. I, I really don't. I think no. No. As, as a tandem, they were a unique concoction for close to 20 years, and both of them benefited from the other. Belichick was the brains, and and as you put, Brady was was the executioner. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he executed the plan. And he was the sort of student that needed to be in that role to, to, to bring out the best and, and to perform under pressure. And, and he was the man for a long time. And mm-hmm. when they go head to head, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fun to see, you know, does, does Belichick know how to mess with him on defense? You know, does, is Brady thinking three steps ahead of where Belichick's going? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, that to me is, is kind of the, the, the entertainment of it all. But yeah, the, to hear it was a draw, I'm like, come on. You know, it, it was a well-played yeah. game, and on, on this night, we, we didn't clear the uh, the uprights. and said, Instead, we were serenaded by the uprights with that that loud and thunderous <laughs> dong. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I mean, I, I agree, but yeah, I also do. I feel, I feel it is. It kind of just illustrates like that you got what you figured you were going to get out. You got more than what you figured you were going to get out of this yeah. in, in many ways, and, and the fact that you know, Belichick was able to, through his coaching, through the staff, through his his personnel moves, was able to bring a team and get a team prepared to go toe to toe with mm-hmm. the defending world champions. That has to be applauded. And he and the fact is, it's not like we haven't seen this before because anyone who's been around long enough back in two thousand and one will remember we saw some of this before mm-hmm. the game against the Rams, mm-hmm. the regular season game against the Rams where they hung in against them. And then even in the Super Bowl, very similar sort of games when you really think about it because it was it was just keeping the game low and close and the Patriots kind of having a bit, having an advantage going into halftime and, and really just kind of trying to hang on until the end. And it almost came down to a very similar ending where you're, you're driving down and trying to kick the, the winning field goal. I mean, we've been here before and you got to give Belichick some credit for the fact that he's doing it with another rookie quarterback against, Agreed. you know, a stacked team. May I uh, draw an analogy, if you will? Sure. And I think you'll appreciate this one. This football match, or or, the, or this football game, I, I liken it to the uh, the movie boxing match of Rocky One, Apollo Creed, versus the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. Creed may have won. 
but he didn't win by very much. <laughs> well, yeah, it, and it is in a way like the the Patriots' victory in this, the, the pseudo victory that you take out of it, is that they went the distance against a against a better team, mm-hmm. against with the with all of the hype and all of the hoopla of this game, and the better quarterback being on the other side. They went the distance. They did. That's the that's their win in this. And instead of hearing, you know, yo, Adrian, I did it. We got the dong. Yeah. <laughs> not quite the same, is it? It is not. So the next thing I kind of wanted to go into was legacy. And this is going to be uh, talking about Belichick and Brady. But I want to talk about Belichick first because I saw one of the more ridiculous things that I've seen recently on the interwebs. Uh, last week, which is saying a whole lot because there is a lot of ridiculous things on the interwebs if you just are willing to look. Someone basically saying that Bill Belichick really needs to be concerned about his legacy with the fact that the Patriots were not a playoff team last year, were not a good team last year, and, and are off to a, a slower start this year, one and two before last night's, uh, before Sunday's game, and then now, of course, one and three. And he needs to be really concerned about his legacy, to which I want to just, I want to go on the record. For all the world to know that I believe that not only is this bullpucky. <laughs> I thought you were going to bring that phrase out. Is horse feathers. And if you were to believe such foolishness, a pox on your house. Mm-hmm. Because I just want to bring this up. Now, we all know that, of course, Bill Belichick is currently sitting at third in terms of all-time coaching wins in the NFL. He is uh, sitting at 281 wins, 139 losses, and, and zero ties, which I actually did not know. So his, his winning percentage is right around 66.9%. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, of course, is Papa Bear, George Hallis from Your Neck of the Woods, mm-hmm. who has 318 wins, 148 losses, and 31 ties back in the day before overtime was a thing. Wow which is a winning percentage of 68.2%. And, of course, the reigning king of coaches is Don Shuleth with 328 wins, 156 losses, six ties for a win-loss percentage of Mm 67.7%. Now, of course, you look at that and you say, well, Belichick is, over the next few years, could probably, might catch Hallis. He's going to have to stick around for a while to, to get to Shula, Mm-hmm. Of course, that knowing Bill, that's what's driving him. He definitely, because I, I think he really did not like Shula a lot. Uh, <laughs> however, so but everyone everyone wants to point out how Don Shula, greatest coach of all time, because the wins, the wins, the wins, the wins. Okay, fine. And but you know, if we want to talk legacy, if we really want to talk legacy, let me just throw this out and break this down for you like a fraction. So Don Shula retired in 1995. Okay. Mm-hmm. His final season in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins were nine and seven. They played in one playoff game and were uh, unceremoniously dumped out of the playoffs. So uh, he did not win that game, of course, and that was his uh, swan song in the NFL. Now, 1995, that would mean that he was 23 years past his final Super Bowl win as a head coach when he retired. Yes. Almost two and a half decades. And he had Dan Marino. Yes, which is another thing to bring up. So he basically went Bill Belichick's entire New England head coaching tenure without a Super Bowl win before retiring. Yes. 11 years after his final Super Bowl appearance with Dan Marino as a rookie, 
And he only had nine playoff games after that 1984 Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just a guy with a podcast and a computer. But with numbers like that, I don't think Bill's got to worry too much about his <laughs> legacy. Hey, we know how you love to do the math. I'm just saying. I uh-huh. mean, it's, this whole thing about how, oh, well, it's Bill, Bill's legacy. Like, he has a couple off seasons. Like, people just blow my mind with how foolish they can sound when you're talking about someone who, this was his first losing season mm-hmm. last year in New England since his first season taking over. In between, you have, what, 18, 19 seasons? Mm-hmm. Where your nine wins plus, and actually that one nine win season was the aberration. Other than that, it was all double digit wins. Yeah, the consistency, the consistency. I mean, when you think about, and and, and another just stupefying fact is the Patriots went to nine Super Bowls mm-hmm. under his watch. That's almost one every other year. It, it was during the 2010s. It was like there was either back to back years or they were in it every other year. I mean, it was just it was crazy. Nine Super Bowl appearances, six wins. Now, keep in mind, like, again, because it's all skewed, it's all skewed because of the su- the level of success. As a, as a fan, what do you want? You just want a chance to make the playoffs and to contend for the championship. Well, Indeed. that's everything. They, that's what they did every single damn year, except for that first season when, he's, when, when every head coach comes in and they have to clear things out and, and he goes 5-11 and 11 then. Next year, oh, just a Super Bowl. That's oh, and all. then then you have a nine nine and seven season the next year, which I mean, quite honestly, like a nine and seven season. If you did that in like Cleveland or Detroit, they build a statue for you. <laughs> quite honestly, they'll they will melt down a parked car in the parking lot and make a statue for you if you got over five hundred. And and that's looked at as like an uns like a meh sort of season. I mean, come on. Like this whole idea like, oh my gosh, he's he's got to worry about his legacy is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Bill Belichick's coaching bona fides at this point are well secured. I feel like in order for anyone to to be able to question his legacy, they as a as a minimum requirement, they have to have uh coached and won at least 3 Super Bowls. At least. Yeah. Well, and then and at keep least. in mind, so you go Until down Until then, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> You go down the list here, and and so number three is Belichick, of course. Number four is Tom Landry. Mm-hmm. Number five is Curly Lambeau. And then the next best, the only other active head coach in the top 20. Mm-hmm. No, actually, you have to get to 22 before you hit Mike Tomlin. The only other coach is, is Andy Reid at number six. And he has 60, almost 60 wins behind Bill Belichick. Yeah. And he has almost as many losses. Maybe that's what Bill's actually doing. It's not so much to catch Shula. He's just trying to stay ahead of Reed. <laughs> well, he doesn't have to do that much because Andy Reed's just going to blow a game just just thinking about it. Like I know. I know. That'll happen. It just it baffles me how people could say, oh, well, you know, his legacy. No, I think Bill's going to do all right, you know, when it comes in the legacy department. It is theater. It is, you know, I've, I've, I've noticed this with any of, of these athletes who – or, or coaches who, who do well, there, there's always that element trying to tear it down, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, the fact is, I still have friends who like to joke with me about, oh, Patriots are cheaters and stuff. It's like, you guys can say it all you want. It's like, how, how many times do we have to go to the game and win it for, for you to, for you to understand that it's not like, that isn't reality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, their success is not just the championships, but the success is the consistency. 
Like yes, and- we haven't seen a franchise do what they've done for as long as they've done it for with with those no. two together. And I don't feel I, I agree with you. I, I don't feel this tarnishes his legacy at all. If anything, I think this is what makes coaches and players interesting is is to go through adversity and to go through a period of time where where things aren't so rosy, you know, mm-hmm. and come out the other side. And, and what a story. I mean, what if let, let's let's if we can take a page from Marvel, what if somehow the team goes on a run and we end up in the playoffs well, I guess we wouldn't be facing Tampa Bay until until the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, because they're they're yeah. in the NFC, so so that wouldn't work. Well, it could work. They go to the Super Bowl, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That it's mm-hmm. it's very far fetched, not going to happen, most likely. But what if that were to happen, and you look back and you see a game like this, where okay, so he loses, but look at how they kind of plowed through the rest of the season. Look at the adversity they overcame. Look at how they gelled as a team. That to me is is what would be more impressive and more interesting is is to see how Belichick consistently can bring the best out in players, put teams together that are competitive, that do well, and, and are really geared toward pushing their opponent to the extreme in terms of, of, of winning a game. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm-hmm. to me, what his legacy will end up being is because he, you know, yes, Patriots get blown out. It's not like every game is close. But let's also remember that when Belichick and Brady were together, None of these games were, you know, I, I, I joked with you last last year when the Super Bowl and Tampa Bay won. I, I joked with you over text. I said, why did it have to be so easy for Brady this time? Why couldn't we have had one of those games? You know, I mean, yeah, I'm not complaining. Believe me, because some of these games, you know, are just etched in in, in, in your memory for all time. You know, the Atlanta game and the way they came back and all that. But just one of those Super Bowls, it would have just been nice. To have mm. it be a cruise control kind of a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The years taken off of my life. <laughs> the years taken off. Of, and, that's, and that's only talking about the first one that they won. Because I, and I've said this many times, like, I kept on waiting for them to announce that there was going to be a fifth quarter. Yeah. Like, I just, I would not believe that the game was over. Even when I'm mm-hmm. seeing all zeros and they're celebrating on the field, I kept waiting for something, because it was like, unfathomable to me that the Patriots could actually win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And so then, of course, that brings us to Brady, which is a bit easier on the legacy because quite honestly, and and if anybody, I don't know that anybody can muster any kind of a counter argument for this. Greatest of all time, most Super Bowl wins by a quarterback, first quarterback to ever win in the Super Bowl on his home field, first quarterback to win win a Super Bowl in overtime. And, and then, of course, last night, solidifying it by becoming the all-time leader in passing yardage. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else do you want? What else do you want? What are your impressions of TB12 becoming all-time passing leader? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? I mean, what, what does that bring to mind? Is it like just sweet justice for all those years of people like, well, Manning's a better passer and I mean, all that stuff. And now it's like, what you got to say now? He's passed everybody. Yeah, I mean that 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 was one thing during the two thousands that that always just stuck in my craw was was the fact that during that period I I always felt Brady was recognized, but I always felt he was in the shadow of Peyton Manning. Like Manning was dubbed the king by the media. He was the one that was supposed to have all of this success and win all of these championships. And it's the unknown who is on the team, you know, the little team that could, right? Mm-hmm. Is the one that ends up doing it. And not only that, but now all these years later, Brady's still playing. 
both Mannings, I, I I mean, is Eli Eli's not playing right? Isn't he retired? No, he's done. Yeah. So not one, but two of the Manning boys are done at this point, and he's mm-hmm. still playing. Yeah. You know, so I don't really think there's anything that really can be argued at this point. And and I think at this point, no one would actually make any sort of argument. I think, especially during the 2010s, I feel like those Super Bowls that the team won and, and even the ones they lost, I think showed character of the player, showed, you know, the the, the talent, the skill, the, the tenacity. I really feel like, you know, champions aren't just defined by the fact that they win the championship. They're, you know, it's the journey to get there. Mm-hmm. And I and, you know, for Brady, I, I kind of look at his career in, in New England in those in those two decades. There's the 2000s where I feel like he was trying to make a name for himself and really establish himself as an equal to Peyton Manning. And that's really all I was looking for was Manning. Real, like when you look back, you, you can't look at Manning as being the king of the league. I mean, he was. Yeah, he was churning out the stats. He was blowing records away and stuff like that. But when he would end up in the in the playoffs, they never could. He couldn't get the job done. Mm-hmm. And and I remember I had friends who were big Colts fans and stuff, and they were like, oh, this is going to be a time. And it's like the one time they do it, it's like, great, you got one. You got yeah. one. Good for you. Now go win two more. Oh, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, or win five more at this point. <laughs> and, of course, you know, Brady already all-time touchdown leader. And the funny thing with this yeah. is, I mean, and, yeah. and, the, and the fact is, like, I, I'm not going to say, like, oh, these records are never going to be broken. It, chances are that they will be because uh, or, or if they are, it's, it's going to be a, a huge mark. Because if I'm looking at this list, like you look at the all time passing leader. So Brady, of course, now sitting at the top of the list with 80,560 yards. It took him 20 ish years. Let's just say 20 because he didn't play that 2000 year. Mm hmm. So then you got Drew Brees in second, Peyton Manning at third. You got Brett Favre in fourth, Philip Rivers at uh, at fifth. Ben Roethlisberger is the next active player on the list at six with sixty one thousand three hundred and eighty one yards. Number seven is Dan Marino, mm-hmm. who I mean, when we when you looked back when we were growing up, when you know we were coming up and before Brady was a you know a thing or was you know playing for the Patriots. You looked at that ma- at that number by Dan Marino, and you're like, I don't know who's ever going to match that. Yeah, it's crazy that you know because it went. It was a big deal when Brett Favre broke that from from Dan Marino, and now you look at just the and he's going to keep going. Like you're you're going to keep going with that, and and yeah. where does it end? And then you look at the all time touchdowns, and I mean, you got Brady sitting at at number one with 591. And then you go Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Philip Rivers, Dan Marino. The next active is Aaron Rodgers, tied with Dan Marino at 420. Mm-hmm. So Brady's 170 better than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And, I mean, you're talking about guys who are at the end of their career. It's like, who's, who's going to challenge for some of these numbers? I mean, they probably will, but it's gonna, you're, you're starting to get to this point where it's like some of these records are getting so high up. It's like, man, whoever breaks that, it's going to be... It's going to be something special. Yeah. And it's insane to mm-hmm. me that we're mm-hmm. that we're dealing with these numbers. I mean, passing numbers are inflated like crazy, anyways. Since uh, since where they were even you know twenty years ago, but yeah. it's insanity right now. Yeah. So I think I think it's safe to say Brady is like firmly ensconced as as the greatest of all time. Oh gosh, I don't yes. I don't know how anyone can make a counter argument. Now the funny thing in this is I was back in the day a a Drew Bledsoe defender because there was that big controversy 
in Brady's first year as a starter because then Bledsoe became healthy after he got hit and Brady mm-hmm. took over. He became healthy, and then there was debate. Well, who's who's going to start? And it was not. It's not like I was saying, oh, Bledsoe ought to start over Brady. I just never enjoyed the fact that people, and this kind of goes back with some of my, uh, our, when we talked about fans and some of my aggravation with New England fans about how they can be so dismissive and, and, and kind of eat their young, if you will, mm-hmm. and, and kind of have this, oh, uh, you know, better than thou perception. And it's like, drop it out of fifth, bring it back to third there, Sparky. Like you're getting way ahead of yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people wanted to just down Bledsoe in order to elevate Brady when, Drew Bledsoe was a hell of a quarterback because now if you look at the all-time New England Patriot passing statistics, this is some funny stuff, let me tell you. Of course, uh, take a guess who who ranks number one uh, for the Patriots' uh, franchise passing record. I'll give you one guess. Uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, it would be correct with 74,571 yards, 541 touchdowns. Number two would be, of course, Drew Bledsoe. Uh, with 29,657 yards, 166 touchdowns. Before that, you have Steve Grogan with with 26,886 yards and actually more touchdowns than uh, than Drew Bledsoe with 182. Wow. Then before you had Grogan, your number four all-time passer is Babe Perilli. <laughs> ah, the Babe who was one of the original like OG Patriots back in the early days of the franchise. Uh, he finished his career with a team with 16,747 passing yards and 132 touchdowns. And then you start getting into your Tony Eason's of the world, your Jim Plunkett's, your Hugh Millen's. Mm-hmm. And the funny part is Matt Castle, who only started one season for the Patriots. Remember that one season that Brady was out? Yes, and they still won 10 games. Uh, actually, they won 11 games that year. Ah. Uh, I, I remember that because that is that that hurt. Uh, so, But on the strength of that one season, Matt Castle is eighth all-time in Patriots passing with thir- uh, 3,946 yards. So wow. here is my, here's my bone of contention, the reason why I go through all those numbers, because people are like, who really gives a crap? My point being, people love to down Drew Bledsoe but they acted like it was like San Francisco and like it was like the cradle of quarterbacks or something. And that it was their divine right to have these great quarterbacks. So it's like, oh, Bledsoe isn't good enough. It's like, dude, you're, you're coming. You're still like Tony Eason is still fresh in everyone's memory. Like, let's all calm down about, you know, what you deserve. Yeah. You know, the fact that you wound up with Tom Brady, let's, you know, just thank your lucky stars that you got a chance to live in the good old days while they were mm-hmm. happening. So again, and that was and that was nice because uh, I mentioned that because they they brought Drew Bledsoe out and they did an interview with him. Well, he was part of the opening hype package, and they you know ta- they had interviews with him talking about the whole thing. And you knew that as soon as he saw that game on the schedule, he was like, oh, "Crap, they're gonna want me to talk about this, aren't they?" <laughs> and it was and it was funny because he did say, "Yeah, I've still got that Super Bowl ring. I got a right to wear it." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Damn right you do," because if nothing else, I mean. Ladies and gentlemen, remember Pittsburgh AFC Championship game, and Drew came in and threw after Brady got hurt and threw that nice little fade into the back corner of the end zone, secured the game. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. Yep. Yeah. But anyways, I I just wanted to take that opportunity to just defend Drew one more time uh, as he's 
been doubled up by Brady in all time. Drew Bledsoe finished his career with like 44,000 passing yards. Like Brady is just going to try and double him up before he retires. I'm cons- I'm I'm convinced that's one of his goals. Just like mm-hmm. Belichick wants to take down Shula, Brady's like I'm going to double up Bledsoe. I'm t- <laughs> <laughs> That'll show him. Which I mean, this guy needs something to drive him, so why not? Right. Uh, well, I think we've put that one to bed, sir. I think we've, we've finally Brady get into our way through this. I think this has been like our, our way of uh, kind of like our four stages of, of grief mm-hmm. of going through this. I think mm-hmm. we've finally gotten to the acceptance portion and making peace with ourselves. I think that we can finally put this one to bed. What do you think, sir? I think so, too. Although I have a feeling there's going to be something else coming down the pipeline where we're going to br- bring it back one more time. But but I feel like this is a, a proper and, and, and fine closure to what has been a stretch that neither of us ever thought we ever would see in our lifetime. <laughs> so Yes, uh, yes. So I, I, I look back with fondness. I, I have a lot of great memories of a lot of fun championship Super Bowl games with my family and celebrating and, and also suffering, but doing more celebrating, at least, you know, six and three. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I just think much like in, in and I don't mean to go back to, to the Rocky analogy, but I will, because, you know, a lot gets made of got to be the winner, got to be the winner. Sometimes when you're not always on the winning side, there is perspective and, and there's hope and there is uh, sunnier days ahead. And so I think it was I think it was a fun game. I think it was a good football game. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that we'll come back to this again, but uh it's Tom Brady, and and he's going to outlive us all. I, I think only Vince McMahon's going to outlive, truly live us all. But but Tom Brady's going to be there, uh, and, mm. at, at a close second, and probably still trying to rack up passing yards in his old age. Now, I will actually point this out that we 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 are leaving the door slightly ajar here, mm-hmm. because there could be a Brady get in part five. Because I just will, I I just want to remind people, if you'll all join me in the wayback machine. And, and go back to uh, that earlier and simpler time of 2001. Guess where the Patriots were after four games in that season? Uh, one and three. They were one and three. Mm-hmm. With a young, inexperienced quarterback who was kind of getting his feet under him. Mm-hmm. Kind of sound familiar? It does. Well, and, and uh, to, to keep the door slightly ajar, what one thought I had, and I, I forgot to mention this too, was uh, and as a nice way to kind of wrap this up, I, I do kind of hope for when he really, truly does decide to end his career and call it quits, I, I do hope that he and the Patriots come together in one of those sort of, you know, sign for a day sort of thing and have him retire as a Patriot. Not not to disrespect Tampa Bay uh, or, or wherever else Brady might end up, but the, the bulk of his work is, is in New England and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of... A, a sports romantic like that where I would just like to see the man kind of hang it up uh, with the team that, that kind of started it all for him. I think if that happens, I think we'd have to bust out one more time just to just to reminisce, you know, to ruminate, to adjudicate, to... Uh, Here we go again. To uh, just You ain't got no more words. You need a thesaurus is what you need. I do need uh, to calculate and oh, uh, to... <laughs> See, here's the problem, though. We're not. We might not still be doing this podcast in eight years when he finally does retire. To bloviate. Uh. <laughs> no, you're already doing a good job of that. 
<laughs> but anyways, I, I think that would be a, a, a fitting end to the man's career. And another thing. Well, so what do you got for and another thing this week, sir? So my and another thing, uh, once again, not Tombstone. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that at some point. But um, Dang it. I know. I know. You're a daisy if you do. Uh, the NPR podcast, which I long time ago, I mean, you, you referenced back to the, uh, and, and I remember that going 76 episodes back to, to episode one about the fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think early in our, our tenure as podcasting uh, gurus that we are now, I brought up a an NPR podcast called How I Built This. It is a fun, uh, fun podcast really about entrepreneurs who uh, tell their stories about how they kind of, they essentially established, built their businesses, established them, a lot of them ultimately selling them off and kind of that, that journey through the highs and lows of building a business. And the one that popped up this morning on the old Spotify machine was with Fawn Weaver, who started uh, the Uncle Nearest Premium Whiskey Company. Mm. Um, and it was a very interesting story because the the story, I believe his name is, I think it's Nearest Green. I don't have the page up uh, in front uh, of it. I believe it's, it's Nathan and his nickname was Nearest because I, I, I did a little checking up on him. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. think it was Nathan Nearest Green. Okay, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Always can count on you to... Well, I'll put it this Trivial way. knowledge that will do me no good no, the rest no, no, of my no, life. No, 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 yes, no, 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 that's Well, it. while okay. I am here to do the calculations <laughs> and the maths for you, sir, you are there to uh, back up with the facts and the accuracy uh, when I am lazy. So thank you. Yeah, well, let's, I, didn't, I didn't actually check that right now, so we'll see how accurate I am. Well, that's all right. But, but what's interesting is that uh, Uncle Nearest was basically the one who trained uh, Jack Daniels and showed him the way in terms of uh, distilling whiskey and making what it would become the Jack Daniels brand that has lasted for over 100 years. Um, mm-hmm. What was really interesting about it was hearing her. She, she's a writer by trade. And what she was really interested in kind of uncovering was when articles started to come out that Jack Daniels really had learned this from from someone who uh, who had been a slave at one point. You know, I think, you know, she said the media kind of jumped on it and put their own sort of flavor on on the story. And what she ended up finding out was that they were actually very close friends. They it, it, it wasn't a contentious relationship. It was instead a, almost like a familial you know relationship where where he trained Jack Daniels to you know in terms of making and distilling. But so just a really really interesting story uh, to hear about her journey in terms of building this this new brand of whiskey, but also you know the the journey that she went on in terms of understanding the story behind it all and 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 really trying to give the family of, of Uncle Nearest, to, you know, in, in some ways their, their due and, and a bit of a legacy for, for him to leave behind. So very, very interesting story, very compelling story. I, I highly encourage you to check it out if you are into those sort of origin stories and, and especially when, when you hear one that has a, a real heartwarming story about, uh, you know, fast friends and family who kind of came together and, and, and built a whiskey brand that has lasted the ages. Very good. And I, I always like this little bit of trivia. Did you know that Lynchburg, Tennessee, which is the home of Jack Daniels mm-hmm. Distillery, mm-hmm. it's in the county of Moore, and that that county in Tennessee is a dry county. Really? The county in which Jack Daniels is distilled, you can't buy Jack Daniels. <laughs> well, color me stupefied. Yep, that is just one of them things that makes you scratch your head and go, uh, uh, pardon me? Huh? What? Exactly. Uh, 
And how about you, sir? What is your and another thing? Well, I'm going to go in a bit of a literary direction. I don't know why, but I've, I've slowed down on my reading a bit lately. But I did uh, dive into this book because it was very interesting. Uh, it's called Complicated Shadows, The Life and Music of Elvis Costello by Graham Thompson. Really interesting book. It kind of covers his entire career. And really, I've been a fan, a very casual, very, very casual fan of Elvis Costello for quite a while. Mm. Not familiar deep into his catalog the same way that I am with some of my favorite bands like Barenaked Ladies, Tower of Power, Billy Joel, any number of other bands that I, I'm, I've kind of followed and, and listened to almost everything they've ever done. I, I was aware of Elvis Costello. I enjoyed a lot of things that he did. I was not really aware of his own personal history or musical history and how all of that uh, worked. But this was a very interesting book, kind of going all the way back to his childhood and talking about his father, who was a musician and a singer with a band and how that kind of influenced him, and but also how his mother was also uh, very into music as well and and between his two parents was very into current music so it wasn't just like oh the music that they grew up on they were very into current music because his father was a working musician and was performing a lot of like the newest hits with a with a big band so he was very up on what was what was on the charts and and so this kind of had a uh, very powerful influence on Elvis and, and his beginning of songwriting and just following his own history and, and kind of getting into the fact that Elvis was not exactly the nicest person to, to work with or to be around <laughs> a lot of times yeah. or even, even when on tour in his early days. And it had a very contentious relationship, not just with the press, who he, he, he did for a long time. Very long time, like wouldn't actually have print. Or I think it was print press during the tour or anything. It was. It was. He just had a very contentious relationship with the press, but also would have that with his fans. Even at some shows, would just have a very contentious relationship. And then how he has mellowed over the years, but also how his career has really defied genre and classification because he he will tend to move around to whatever is interesting to him at that moment and work very diligently with it and you know to the point of being a person who, you know who had wanted to kind of uh, write scores and things like that and and learned how to write a, an orchestral score like yeah. over a couple of months something that usually is going to take you quite a long time to master but learned how to uh, to write an orchestral score in a very brief focused period of time and uh, just that's kind of an example of how he is it just is he gets very passionate about something focused on it and just his varied career and to the point of one of my favorite things that he has ever done is an album with the roots which is just amazing in the fact that it is just weird but also incredibly funky but also incredibly elvis costello at the same time like it is such a, a mashing of those two uh, of the roots as as just a killer band and then just the lyrics of of Elvis Costello and it meshes and it's weird but at the same time it fits so beautifully so i would highly recommend checking out complicated shadows the life and music of Elvis Costello uh, great book great read and also as a side note go check out that roots Elvis Costello album it's it's fantastic nice I shall. Well, you go ahead and do that. Uh, In the meantime, though, it is time for us to bid farewell, adieu, adieu, sweet adieu, good night, sweet prince, and all that other ruckus. Basically, uh, just you can't stay here, so get the hell out. To the Free Range EDC congregation, thank you 
Thank you so much for joining us here once again on the interwebs. We do so appreciate you. And if you are not a member of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation, well, what the hell is wrong with you? You need to subscribe. You can do so by going to your podcast purveyor of choice and searching for Free Range Idiocy. I guarantee there's not a lot of them. Not a lot of people want to advertise themselves as idiots, but thankfully we have no standards. So if you go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any number of other uh, reputable and unreputable purveyors of podcasts, we'll be there. And if not, then just, you know, rattle their cage and tell them that they need to have us there. Uh, you can also go to freerangeadc.com and that'll show you all of our podcasts right there. And you, su- you can subscribe right there through Podbean. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias because... Damn it, we love us some us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. When it's working. Yeah, when when it's working. Today was the great Twitter (laughs) Facebook outage of 2021. The entire world almost keeled off its axis because there's no cat pictures to be had. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. But when those things are working, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram at Free Range Idiocy. If you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, or anything that you just want to rant about, because quite honestly, Tim can use the company, you send those to Tim at FreeRangeIdiocy.com and he will get back to you PDQ or forthwith or sooner. And now we've come to the portion of the show where I finally shut my yap and we hand this thing over to Tim to take us home. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, think back on this show with me. Just try and digest all of the things that we just talked about if you were listening, I mean, if you weren't, then whatever. We still got the, the click, so huh? thanks. But I always like to take this time to really just, just pause and reflect on everything and really just try and organize all those thoughts in my mind, even though they're all running around like cats on acid. Or maybe that's just because I share an office with Patrick. I don't know. I don't know. But I like to try and organize my thoughts. At the, oh, hang on a second. Ah. <sighs> Patrick's asking where the fire extinguisher is. Should I be worried? <laughs> Not this again. You know oh, what? Oh my gosh. I'm just going to block him for the next half hour and <laughs> just hope for the best. Anyways, so I like to think back on this and just ask the man they call Tim. What the hell did we learn tonight? Uh, my friend, we have learned the following. Ah, good. Uh, we have learned that the man they call Tim is a uh, fantasy football genius. 4 and 0, baby. Just 4 and 0. Just go ask Chappie what hubris will get you. <laughs> have ScarJo come and eat your lunch. That's what's going to happen. When the man comes around. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. When ScarJo comes around, that's what's going to be. We have learned uh, that, that Uncle Todd should not be delegating any sort of coaching to uh, the intern Patrick. No. And For he when be one to does, mustache. only weeping and gnashing of teeth follows. <laughs> Or screaming and heavy drinking. One of the, you know, one of those. Oh, we have learned that James Bond, go check it out, No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Looking good. We have learned, uh, you know, Scar Joe and Mickey Momo, uh, there'd be peace. There'd be peace. Peace we're in all, the valley, ladies and gentlemen. We're all about the peace. Our great national nightmare has been averted. Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim. Well, we do some fitness, but boy, oh boy, do we just punish ourselves. <laughs> We do fitness in the most idiotic way possible. That's very <laughs> at on we're, brand. At least we're brand loyal and brand consistent. So there we yes. go. Pats versus Bucks, ladies and gentlemen. Great game. Great game. Can't walk away from that loss hanging our heads. I think there's there's promise. There's hope. There is bright days ahead for those of us fans of the New England franchise. Brady, he's the goat. Belichick, his legacy. Come on now, his legacy's gold, baby. 
Uh, all in all, uh, just just a, a fun and very entertaining. And uh, I, I'm trying to not find words that, that are like cool or great and stuff like. I mean, it was just it was just glorious to watch, uh, just to see the head coach and the QB head to head going at it. But to see uh, all the other players stepping up, so we will see if Brady Geddon comes back. But at this stage, I think Free Range EDC is going to close the door on this one for now. We'll leave it open a hair. A hair. Just a bit. For whatever make Just a little. Just a little. Ha <laughs> ha. Just a little. Ha <laughs> ha. But with all that being said, again, thank you for the downloads this past week. And uh, as we like to kind of close things out here, uh, be safe, be healthy, be kind, be good to one another. And, uh, you know, just because Patrick is... We go through a lot of fire extinguishers, and that costs us a little bit of money. Please, could could you remember to hit the lights on the way out so we can save a couple pennies? Thank you. That's right. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I beg your pardon. What did you say? I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? Damn! You finished. You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over. Get out. What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. So say we all. So say we all. Okay, so I got a text back. <laughs> Good lord. Thing is, like, so he said he caught his wings on fire. Ask him if he's wearing that stupid leather helmet, you know, the, the, the 1930s NFL style that he seems to think is necessary to coach. Well, my question was, I didn't know how, how he was warming anything up at the office because we don't have a microwave. I've, I've, I've removed all the sharp objects. I've taken away anything that could be possible, you know, a fire hazard. So there was, there's no microwave, there's no toaster oven. There's, I'm, 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 I was asking him how he's, he brought an Easy Bake oven that he got off of Facebook Marketplace. Oh, there we go. As oh. it turns out, I think he was the one that brought Facebook down today. Ah, well, that would make sense. It actually, it makes way more sense than it should. Oh, man. Good old Patrick. <laughs> Cooking by electric light bulb. Yes, that's our intern. <laughs> yep. Ah, brand loyal, folks. Brand loyal.